What's going on, everyone? It's another episode of Left Side Heavy, the podcast presented by Blue Wire Hustle. It's your boy, Jevin Lefebvre. Today, I am bringing on fellow classmate of the BCIT Radio Arts and Entertainment Program, Tim Asfar. We, he comes on, he gives his thoughts and opinions on the Canucks, recent news in the NHL. We ramble on the Canucks about some topics. We bounce back what our future's looking like what jim rutherford can bring to this team this is a very fun episode we give our opinions on the uh all-star predictions given by nhl.com who we think should be replaced what players deserve some uh, recognition and what players are deserving of the spots and then we just go over some other news amongst the nhl and then we obviously hit on this date in sports history for december 13th super fun episode i hope you guys enjoy and here is Tim Asphalt. It's episode 73 of Left Side of Heavy, the podcast presented by Blue Wire Hustle. I'm your host, Jevin Lefave. Today, I'm welcoming on fellow classmate. It's almost starting to be a little uh, classmate series the next few weeks here. I had a meal on uh, a couple weeks ago. Today, I'm bringing on Tim Asphalt. How's it going, man? Thanks for coming on. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's, it's going well. It's my first podcast, so it's an interesting experience, but I'm uh, definitely really looking forward to it. Well, so uh, we're in the radio arts program at BCIT. What uh, what inspired you to get into the program? Like, what do you uh, what do you kind of like about radio and stuff? Yeah, so I mean, definitely, <clears throat> I'm not someone who kind of grew up you know, listening to the radio every day, necessarily. My parents weren't super into it, but uh, I mean, you know, we were kind of growing up in like the transition period where in cars, you know, sometimes you listen to CDs and stuff, but I would listen to radio a lot, like going to hockey practice at like 6am or games late at night and everything. So uh, that kind of got me into it. And then definitely the last few years, I really got into like, especially the Halford and Bruff show in the morning on uh, it used to be on 1040 now on 650 uh, sports app. But uh, yeah. Um, so I really got into like that and just Canucks general podcasts and everything. And it really just got me so like immersed into the sports media, like genre essentially. And I was, I mean, I kind of was trying to figure out my way in life and I figured if I can do something that I'm genuinely passionate about and go to school for it, like, wow, it would be crazy. And I'm already like so enjoying it. Like, you know, it's just easy to get the passion for it. It's just burning inside me pretty much. Yeah. I, uh, I get, I'm on board with that too. And what I like about this program is right now it's mainly uh, like projects and we're actually kind of like working on stuff rather than like writing essays and everything. Obviously you have those few like prerequisite classes where it's like, you have to take it where, like policy and stuff where we had to like write essays and everything and wasn't that enjoyable. But the other classes where it was like more project based, it, it made it a lot more enjoyable. Yeah, definitely. Like, especially BCIT, one of the things I knew about it is like it's so hands-on and like, that's been such a great part. Like, like you're saying like, yeah. already, we're just learning how to like edit and everything like that and like do applicable things. Whereas like, you know, a lot of other places you kind of get like the training wheels and, not necessarily even the info that you're really going to use. Whereas like the stuff that we're learning on a daily basis is like so applicable to everything that we love and like what we want to do, you know? So it's definitely, it's really cool. No, that's exactly, that's exactly it. Uh, do, do you have like a end goal for this program? Like, is there anywhere that you kind of picture yourself doing? Cause there's some people in our class, like want to be like voice actors and all that. So there's a, there's a depth, bunch of different paths that you can take through this program is there any 
end goal that you want? Yeah. So, I mean, kind of like I did a little like info program or no program, uh, just like a session and Brian, one of our professors, uh, he was leading it and it was, um, it was super interesting. I mean, I kind of like went in to that with a couple like preconceived ideas of, you know, something to do with the Canucks and cause I love hockey and everything like that so yeah. much. But, um, I mean, I really, I had a conversation with him after and it really like implored me to just go into it with a super open mind and see what I like, what I get attached to and what I want to do. Cause there's so many different avenues that you can go down with this, right? Like, yeah. I don't want to, I don't want to limit myself. And that's something he really said, like, just don't limit yourself and don't put on blinders, just go in with an open mind and it'll take you where you need to go. Like, and that was, that really inspired me. So that's something I really, I came into really wanting to do. Yeah. Cause I had this vision of myself, like hosting a radio show or like hosting like a panel of some sort as like a career, but this program has kind of like opened doors for us to like become producers or like sound engineers for radio programs or doing other stuff like stay like in that industry still, but not necessarily talking and being the performer of it. You're like behind the scenes, like it, it's opened a lot of doors. So it's that open mind is important for this class because you can be stubborn and be like, no, I want to do this, which is totally fine. But this just like gives you a lot more options to like kind of branch off and do, which is what I'm really enjoying about this. Yeah, for sure. Like, honestly, that same thing, like you said, for me, like I would never have thought like editing audio, something I would find cool. in like a couple of our projects I was doing it, and I was like, just hearing the end result, like knowing I did it and like yeah. put all these like different sounds together. I was like, it's a, like, it's a great feeling. I was like, I had no idea. I never, I didn't even think I'd be doing that coming into this class, like being honest, you know, or this program. Um, so it's crazy, but yeah, it's like, it's opened my eyes and it showed me like, I thought, you know, I would 100% be like, Oh no, I'm like going to work for the Canucks. You know, that's it. I wanted, or, you know, maybe like a company like Sportsnet or something like that covering the Canucks. But now I've just, yeah, it's like, it's really opened my eyes after even like three or four months, just like, even the stuff I enjoy that I didn't even have a clue that I would. So that's, yeah. that's been crazy. It's, it's been really good. It, yeah. And we're only like a semester and we got three more of these semesters, including a couple, yeah. uh, a couple of practicums coming our way. So it's going to be a fun ride uh, for, sure. for the rest of the way, but let's get into some hockey. Why not? Hey, that's why I have you on today. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, so uh, we're hometown guys. I'm assuming you're a, uh, you're a Vancouver Canucks guy. Absolutely. For sure. Boys are on a tear. So last episode was um, when we hired Bruce Boudreau. We cleaned house, got Boudreau in. We still hadn't gotten any GM in place. Like we had Stan Smeal as an intern base, but that's about it. I want I want to hear your opinion when you heard about the Boudreau news breaking. Obviously, it happened a few weeks ago, but I just want to hear your take on it. And what was your initial thought when it broke? I mean, I will say I am definitely someone who I like Travis Green. I thought, you know, even at the end of his tenure, he did need to go like he needed to be fired. But I, I still think he's a good coach, honestly. Yeah, I agree. I, yeah, I, like, I think we needed a new voice in the room. It was just exactly. he's, he's going to get another job somewhere. I'm confident in that. And he deserves 100%. one. 
hundred percent. Like people are saying like, Oh, he's going to like go to the AHL or something like that. He's not like an NHL coach. Like, no, he's an NHL coach uh, for starters. I wanted to say that just to get my opinion out there, but uh, who's Brujo. I, I definitely, even when that was kind of going on, I said, like, if we're going to replace green with anyone, I was like, Bruce Brujo is a great option. Like really good regular season coach, you know? Um, I mean, maybe like had some playoff struggles, we're not in the playoffs. We're not <laughs> close to it right now. Yeah. So, you know, he'll be good at least for the next couple of years. And yeah, I, I definitely, when, when I heard it, it, I didn't know the most about Bruce Brujo. I won't lie. Like, you know, I did say like, I would like him after looking into him more and like putting pieces together, you know, I didn't realize he was there for pretty well, the majority of the caps and sends or sends, sorry, caps and, uh, wilds. Or, and yeah, he was at, oh. uh, I meant more so for the uh, battles that they have, yeah. those big battles. Yeah, okay. I forgot that he was the coach. I only kind of thought about Barry Trotz and like, it, like, I mean, I, like he can coach a team. Like at the end of the day, yeah. like, you see a lot of like 40 or whatever, 60 and 60 um, videos and everything like that. I've seen a lot of different media by him and yeah, he just, he's a coach. Like at the end of the day, like it, it, he, him coming in, it brought some confidence. Like we were so fixated on having new hires and rookie, uh, like GMs, coaches, uh, presidents and everything like that. And it's great to have a guy that's like one of the most winning coaches in the NHL come in yeah. and like set a standard. And that's the thing we were lacking, right? It was setting a standard. Yeah. And a big thing about the Vancouver Canucks is that we love to hire within the organization, like coming up from Abbotsford or old players who have played for the Canucks. You work for us. Like you see Lyndon, you see Travis Green, even um, uh, the Sedins we got now too. Yeah. Who's the old coach around like 2014, 2015 day? Desjardins, uh, Willie. Yeah, Willie. Willie, yeah. Like, so we love to hire within the organization and seeing us branch off and get, like you said, one of the most winning, like winningest coaches of the past decade, like he's done well. And yeah, the playoff struggles are there, but you can't, I'd rather have a, like a good regular season to at least get there. And then some, at some point, like the success will come in the playoffs. Right. And he's just a good coach to bring a new spark provide a new spark for the team and it's clearly worked. I mean, we're four and zero under him. This is, we're recording on Monday. So the Tuesday game will have already been played by the time this comes out. So it could be four and one could be five and oh. So he's clearly doing something to this team, which is yeah, good. And, yeah. And he comes in like, I love Travis Green, but the thing is, he's a very like minutia coach. He looks at every single nook and cranny, and like that is good in some sense. But I think the the players got very like tired of it, and like all this like very harsh system getting like it's, it was weighing them down. You know, PD yeah. and Besser, you could see it was weighing them down. How much stress there was on them coming from the coach, the player, or the team the fans, it was hard on them. So having a new coach, you can tell Bruce Bruce, he's like a jolly old man. He's like lively, you know, he makes people laugh. He's always smiling. Travis, he's, he's a poker guy. He played yeah. poker. Literally he's, he, that's what he did with the media, with the fans, with everyone. He, he was a hard guy. He's a stern guy, but so I really think that the 
fresh idea. Like it would, would have been a different story if they hired a, another guy like Travis, you know, like an Alan Vino or something like that, like in that mold of like a very like stern guy. Um, yeah. Whereas they just went the complete 180, which was just, it was such a good idea or such a good decision by the Canucks uh, to go that route by just, you know, he empowers the players. That's what he's essentially doing. Instead of beating the players down and trying to bring them back up, he's just empowering them and trying to get them to be the best players that they can be at the end of the day. No, I, I completely wholeheartedly agree. And you see, like, it's working with the players, like, like Besser and PD, you saw the, like, the, anything Travis would do, they would, it wouldn't seem to be in agreement or it would just seem like it would weigh them down even more. And you see now like Besser, he has four points in four games with three goals and PD, he has two points in four games, but you see, he's looking a lot more motivated to make a difference. Whereas before he just didn't seem like himself. And I'm just, I'm just happy. Like, even if we don't make the playoffs, which in all honesty is probably the best, thing to do for this team because yeah. like we we should probably try and get the best draft pick possible to be real but like we're looking a lot faster and a lot more respectable to other teams like we're looking a lot more competitive we're beating teams who we've struggled against in the past like winnipeg boston carolina like we're getting wins off those guys where we haven't had much success in the past so it's just is bringing a new spark to the city. So. Yeah. You can tell it just like in, it brought back fans having even yeah. just like Jim Benning getting like, like, Oh, it just, it was like so long overdue. Um, I know. Like, I, I, yeah. I've been saying any other team would have fired Benning like five years ago. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely. Uh, so. Yeah. That was something else, but, uh, another story for another day. Let's just say, yeah, exactly. Yeah. We can leave that behind us, but, uh, to go along with, uh, what we've been talking about, um, shortly after the press conference, um, it was leaked today. Like, I don't know if you caught the press conference with Aquiline yeah, and Rutherford. Yeah. 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 yeah so Canucks hired Jim Rutherford as president of hockey operations and uh Aquilini said that um in the stance meal one that uh they would take their time and looking for someone but in doing that they were waiting on a response from Jim Rutherford because they reached out to him and I think this move is massive for this organization if he came in as a GM I think his mindset is genuinely a lot different than what the Canucks need. We need to protect our early round picks, especially our first round picks. And we need to build for the future. And Jim Rutherford has had a past of only managing for contending teams. So he's only had, he's only gone like all in or nothing kind of thing. And that won't necessarily work for this. So bringing him in as president of hockey operations, I think is good because it just provides stability, stability, to let the GM do his work. What's your thoughts on Jim Rutherford coming in for the Canucks? Yeah. I mean, definitely one thing that like Francesco and the Canucks were getting heat for is they said they were going to do kind of like an exhaustive search and they ended up just bringing in Rutherford and Boudreaux. 
Um, but like at the end of the day, like even like I 100% agree, Rutherford should not be GM. That's not his role at the end of the day. He's a 73 year old guy. He's kind of in the back, back nine, obviously. So they need him. They need him to protect like the Vancouver Canucks image and build it back up from what it was. Cause it just, it got beaten down so badly over the last eight years. Like yeah. it's. You know, and they needed to be revitalized, and they need someone stern that's going to stick up for the Canucks. Who I and I think that's what Jim Rutherford's going to do. And and I I really agree. Like it was key to bring him in at this time because you need someone in charge at the top. Like we have a good like you know, there's like four or five guys that we have the Sedin, Smeal, and everything that are kind of acting as interim GMs and everything. But at the end of the day, you need a vision. At all times, if there's a lack of vision, what is like the club is just going to be spinning its wheels, right? Like, yeah, the Boudreaux, like, you know, the effect we can get the bump and everything like that. But then after that, what's going to happen? Like, there is no vision again, right? Like, yeah. if, if we're waiting to hire the perfect president, perfect GM, and we wait till after the season, which is like realistically the best time, because that's when you have the most candidates then you're kind of just sitting there spinning your wheels for the trade deadline and up until the draft. And it's like, what, they have like a month to come in and like figure out everything with the draft, you know? So it it was a really good call for them to bring in Rutherford. I think when they did, I wish they did the Travis green firing a couple weeks before to kind of minimize that losing streak. But that's kind of my only complaint I'd say. Yeah. It was also weird to hear the Bruce Boudreaux news prior to Travis Green being fired and then all of that prior to Jim Benning being fired because I was happy. Like, like we've said our piece about Travis Green. I was happy he was gone, but it's nothing against Travis Green. It was just a matter of bringing in someone new and starting from scratch. Like that's was the main thing. But when I heard that, I was like, don't tell me Benning still has a job. Like that was my first thing. And I'm pretty sure that was everyone's, Opinion. My first thought too. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Everyone was like, you gotta be kidding me. This Benning guy's still here. But then Jagger tweeted, broke it. He's like, big changes are still to come, all that. And then like a couple hours later, the Benning news was released. So yeah, it was just it was definitely odd of that order, but it had to happen yeah. as soon as possible because if we're to make changes and as a team, if we are wanting to make changes at the deadline, you hear these JT Miller rumors, Besser rumors, Horvat oh. rumors. There's yeah. a bunch of things going around like Horvat coming out saying he doesn't want to be a part of a rebuild where that might be the, because we did rush it, but we're Canucks are in this weird area where it's they're not in a position to like blow it up and rebuild because they still have a lot. Their core is young and good enough to finish a rebuild, but we're also not good enough to contend because we're not, we don't have enough cap room. So we're in this weird situation where the easiest solution might be to blow it up. So are all these players going to be gone? Like Canucks are in this weird situation. So it's definitely going to be interesting. I do want to say that we do have like, the most important positions, you know, like Demko's showing <clears throat> starting from the back end out, like Demko's showing that we have a franchise goalie. Like if yeah. you can keep this up, essentially, you know, that you don't need to look for a goalie. Quinn Hughes, he's had a huge bounce back with his defensive game. Yeah. He looks like a, a you know, number one defenseman. The main thing that it hinges on is if PD can get back to his old form. Cause that's, 
essentially the hardest position to get is that franchise one C yeah. to solidify your team. And if we don't have that in PD and if he shows that he's not that player, then yeah, like I do think probably a rebuild is the best course of action. But if, if he is that player that we know we can be, that he showed that he can be like for two years, it wasn't just like a blip or anything like that it was two full years. Right. Um, if he shows that he can be that player, I don't see why we can't like, yeah, we do need a fundamental rethinking of our franchise, but I don't think that we need a rebuild necessarily. If we have the three biggest pillars that you're looking for in place, you know, I mean, that doesn't, I'm not saying there isn't going to be tough decisions that need to be made. Maybe a JT Miller, maybe a Bo Horvat trade or something, but I think those three, like you just, you got to build around them. They're the perfect yeah. age, right? Like Demko. Yeah. He's a little older. It's his 26th birthday. I believe it was 25th or 26th. Um, but he's still got years ahead of him. Quinn yeah. and Petey, they're young, right? Like these are like three, like franchise pieces. We think at least they're showing that they are. So if they can continue doing that. I don't think a rebuild is in the cards. That's yeah. what I want to say. A retool. Yeah. But yeah, it'll just time will tell. I think kind of have to see. Yeah, it's kind of like a quick reset. Just like get rid of the contracts that are weighing us down, and then try to acquire as many as much capital as we can, and then don't trade our first round picks. Like I think that's our course of action is like try to get rid of Myers, get whatever you can for him. I don't know if we can. It's kind of hard oh, now that <laughs> it's kind of hard since Jim Benning threw around no move clauses to every single player. So now we're kind of handcuffed. Yeah. So it doesn't help us with leverage. But anyways, I think it, to carry on what I was saying, it was important to get uh, Rutherford in place now and Boudreaux so that we can get some sort of identity for the rest of the season and get at least some stability in place by the deadline. When If we have to make moves, we have someone capable to do that. And Jim Benning just wasn't that which is why I was nervous if Aquilini was going to keep him on for the rest of the season. Cause I'm like, if Benny's not going to come back and he's going to make trades for us at the deadline, what's the, what's the point? Like he's not, he's going to risk our future and then not have to deal with it down the road because he's going to yeah. get, he's not going to get brought back. So get him rid of him before the deadline and bring in someone who's can eat their, and like hold, be held accountable for the decisions they make at the deadline, right? So I think it was important to get rid of them now, like as yeah. soon as possible, so that we can have time to get someone in and make the changes we need at the deadline. So it's a uh, I'm excited. Canucks are one thing I'm happy about, and I think it was a good Christmas present to all Canucks fans was that they're at least fun to watch again, which is all we can ask for. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, definitely. I went, I've had the privilege of going to a, a couple games this year. Um, both of them were good. Even I went to the Rangers game, which was a. Oh, the a Rangers game one. was a good one. When yeah. we came back from, we were down yeah. to nothing, right? We came yeah, back exactly. one in overtime. Yeah, yeah, that was a good I was, one. I was sitting right behind Demko too when he lost oh. his blocker. And then. Oh, yo, that sequence was yeah, one of the best. I in literally, the- I saw it like right in front of my eyes. It was crazy. I was like fifth row, like right there. How nuts so were you insane. going, man? How oh, nuts were you going? Like, yeah, crazy. Like literally like probably, I don't even know. Like the play was like 45 seconds, the whole play. And then like. 
two minutes after that, like a standing ovation. Like yeah. it was, that was insane. That was like what? one of the most fun I've had at a Canucks game ever. And then I went to LA as well. So that was really good. When he was like shaking his hand and then continued to make like three <laughs> saves after that was absolutely yeah. bonkers, man. It was crazy. And then I was going to say, I actually on overtime, the play switched around the, sorry, the, uh, end switched. So I got yeah. to see the JT Miller goal right yeah. in front of me too. So that was, that's, yeah, that was a great insane. game. Yeah. And then I went to the LA game, which was, uh, Boudreaux's, I think, I believe that was opener, first game. Opener, yeah, was, yeah. yeah, exactly. Uh, really good game. Four nothing win. So I, I've been treated to some good Canucks games that kind of skews my, uh, <laughs> my feeling on it. So, but yeah, I couldn't agree more. Like they're so much better to watch like night and day. Like, you know, yeah. it's just like, it's crazy before they were just like such a dull team and just like, they were fragile, right? Like yeah. they'd get a lead, a one goal lead. And it was like, they would stop playing. They wouldn't even try to get another. Yeah. And now they're like in the third period against Carolina, like pushing them. They weren't, yeah. like, that was probably their best period of the game. Yeah. It was crazy. Yeah. Cause when we had like Baumgartner and green, they were huge ones of like dump it in and sit back. Passive. Like, where, oh, yeah. where it's just like now that we have Scott Walker in here, the PK is more aggressive. Our four checking is more aggressive. We're more, like you said, like pedal to the metal, put your foot on the throat and like keep suffocating them to making them make bad decisions. We're causing turnovers. We're putting some of our best players on the PK. Like we're putting Pedersen on the PK, Hughes on the PK, JT Miller is probably our best penalty killer, Tyler Mott is like every player on the team just looks so much more energized. And I think that's the telltale sign that Travis Green lost the room. And it was just a matter of, look, nothing on you, Green. You gave us some good years the past couple of years. You just, you signed a contract extension. So you obviously were good enough for that. And I was in agreement with the contract extension because I liked Green. But it was just a matter of this year. It's just... Sorry, man, you just lost the room. Like nothing on you. You'll get another job somewhere. I like I'll bet on it. But now our team's back. Like it's just much more fun to watch. And yeah, that's all it's I care. It's fun about. to be a Canucks fan again, yeah. you know? Because that was the thing. Like, even someone like me who's like uh, like the most optimistic guy and like so passionate and like I'm always gonna be a Canucks fan. Like it actually got hard to watch them for a bit there. Like yeah. last year was hard to watch, but like this year was like it got even worse because it, it got there were expectations right yeah. like that's the thing that last year we didn't have expectations really like i mean maybe a bit but we kind of knew like they lost some guys like it's probably going to be a bit of a rough year the pandemic now that it's like everything's in person like it was bad like yeah it was not good to be a canucks fan so like yeah thank god they like made that change you know like yeah. it's just it's people yeah. people put us up there to win the division this year so yeah. when you have those expectations and you do as bad as we were doing with like, we had, we didn't even have any like COVID problems. Sutter's still out, <laughs> unfortunately, but it's yeah. like, you can't even put it on that. We had no injuries really. It was just our players weren't performing well. Our only top players were Miller and Demko. And then he started playing a lot better and now we're just a lot more alive. So it's a lot more fun to watch, but yeah, we'll, uh, we'll move on to some other news in the NHL. Uh, NHL.com came out with their all-star predictions and I wanted to hear your, uh, your thoughts on it. So I'll kind of run through. So I have, uh, right now the set lineup that they've predicted and then some other players who have received votes. 
and I'll go through each one and you kind of give me your thoughts and we'll go division by division. How does that sound? Yeah, for sure. So we'll start in the Pacific. So we got McDavid, Dreisaitl, Troy Terry, Johnny Goudreau, Yanni Gord, Kopitar as the forwards. Then we got Hughes, Petrangelo, Carlson, and then Markstrom and Gibson as the Pacific lineup right now. And then others who have received votes are Mangiapane, Timo Meyer, Mark Stone, Jordan Eberle, Drew Doughty, Robin Leonard, Kevin Shattenkirk, and Jonathan Quick. Now, does it surprise you that neither JT Miller or Thatcher Demko was on any of these lists? For the Pacific yeah, All-Stars. I will say Miller for sure. Um, Demko, I feel like he... I mean, he's been playing well this year, but with how bad the team was playing, he couldn't, there was nothing he could do to really shine. So now I feel like now leading up to the all-star break, he'll definitely get a lot more consideration. Whereas he kind of didn't really get too much before Miller. I'm definitely surprised about he's been an engine for this team since the beginning of the year. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I, I definitely am pretty surprised about that. I, he's just been our most consistent player. Like he's continuously providing, he's making a difference on the PK and the power play. I'm just surprised. Like, even if he doesn't make the list, because I know one of one player from every team has to make it. So even a worse player like Yanni Gord should not be there over Miller, but what other Seattle Kraken player deserves to be there? Like no one else really. So you kind of have to put him there, even if he doesn't necessarily belong. So it's just, it's unfortunate. What, that's what question I wanted to ask you. What are your thoughts on the every team has to be represented? At least one player from every team has to be there. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, it's tough. Um, I mean, I don't think it's, you know, I feel like it should just be purely based but- on... The, the best players, players who are playing the best. Yeah. The players who are playing the best, even if it's like, you know, uh, like taking a player like Mangiapane over someone, I mean, just for example, like Mark Stone, like Mangiapane's not a better player than Mark Stone, but Stone's been injured and Mangiapane is having an unreal year. Like, yeah. you know, I just think that at the end of the day, the players who are playing the best since the beginning of the season should be the ones to make the, the roster. I agree. I huh. like, cause I know, um, Canucks have been blessed with that rule that uh, every team, like when Horvat went there, he, in no way was he an all-star that year. He just wasn't. Yeah. But with uh, every team has to be represented, that's why he was there. So I th- I think that every, like the best players go. I don't think it, they should lose the rule that every team needs to be there because the best players aren't there. Like, it's just not like Manjupani should be there. Timo Meyer should be there. JT Miller should be there. And they just, they aren't because at least every player has to be there, but I don't completely disagree with this forward list though, for the Pacific, like Troy Terry, like Troy Terry went on a 16 game point streak and he's playing still really good on uh, one of the most, hot teams right now or like surprising teams in the NHL. Like, yeah, definitely the most surprising team. So for sure. So like, I don't disagree with Troy Terry being there at all because he's, I think he deserves to be there. Kopitar. I mean, he's aging like fine wine right now. (laughs) Yeah. And even, even Eric Carlson, man, 
He's yeah, Carlson's right. had a big bounce back. I will say Petrangelo. I don't know if I agree with that one. He's had a bit of a middling season. I, I mean, they're, the thing is, they've been just absolutely decimated by injuries, and he's yeah. been he's been playing crazy minutes, right? So like, it's understandable that his like I, I look at analytics and stuff, and I see how he's been doing. He's definitely had a bit of a like not so great start to the year. So that's the only one I could say. But yeah, I agree. Forwards wise, besides Yanni Gord, like it's you can't complain. Like Kobe yeah. Kopitar is like the the only like the closer one. But even him, he's like such a two way force. Like you really yeah. can't like no complaints with him. And even like his past history, I'm not even taking into that account. Like he started off hot. Like he was on. Like he's just been playing really solid this year. And LA is like on the brink of making the playoffs when no one really put them there. So yeah, I I I like him there. I respect it. Pacific, man, like we are probably the worst division in the league. Like I'll say that right now, but we've had some absolute gamers this year. So yeah, there's obviously a few things I would change. Um, I don't necessarily disagree with the goalies. Markstrom is probably the best goal in the league right now, best of favorite. And yeah. then Gibson solid for another surprising team like Anaheim. Like they've just been doing well this year. So I don't yeah, just a Yanni Gord one, but that's just goes along with the. I, yeah, I will say though, Gibson is injured right now, and if Demko Demko can keep what keep up what he's kind of been doing, like it's a big recency bias, yeah. right? Like I feel like if people see Demko keep doing well, Gibson's like kind of struggle or struggles when he comes back. Like I think there's a decent chance Demko could be the one could be going as well. I just even think though. What's unfortunate is that I think NHL writers are just basing their decision off stats and not actually watching. Because Demko, he's been playing like one of the best goalies in the league. It's just Canucks defense has been so shit. Like even at the beginning of the year, like you saw that, right? Yeah. So like his stats aren't there, but he has the most appearances, most games started in the league out of any goalie. And against one of the worst defensive teams, like our penalty kill is 64%. Like that's not completely on him. Like he's just, yeah, he's not on him at all. He's he's been, we, we would be like last in the league if it wasn't for Demko. So that's why I kind of think like he could make a case for the all-star game. Like his stats are like kind of putting him lower than what he's actually been playing. If that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it definitely does. Yeah. So uh, we'll uh, we'll give off the central right now. Yeah. Uh, we got Kadri, Kaprizov, Kyle Connor, Jordan Cairo, Alex Dubrinka, and Joe Pavelski. Then we got Roman Yossi, Kale McCarr, Shane Gossespair, and UC Saros and Cam Talbot. And then in the other players have been Patrick Kane, Matt Duchesne, Jason Robertson, and Jordan Bennington. So it's weird seeing Kadri here and not McKinnon. <laughs> Yeah, I uh, I picked him up in fantasy, so uh, I definitely have been following his yeah. uh, progression. Um, that was a uh, yeah, that's crazy. Um, even since McKinnon's come back, I mean, he's kind of seems like he's kind of been getting he's getting his groove back a bit more. Uh, last night against um, Florida, but uh, otherwise, yeah, like Kadri being there is it's crazy. He's just having an unbelievable year. Yeah. Like it's crazy. Yeah, I don't disagree with him being there at all. It's just weird to see when McKinnon's not For there. Sure. Yeah. yeah. And like Kaji went on that absolute tear as well. Like he was he had like what like 20 points in like 10 games. Like he was yeah. playing out of his mind. And <laughs> yeah. he totally deserves to be there. Like 
Jordan Kyra's having a breakout season too. He was a bit streaky yeah. last year, but he's been a lot more consistent this year. And I mean, Kaprizov's electric. I haven't been following much of Dallas, but Dallas has been very banged up and Pavelski seems to be doing pretty consistent. I don't know if you listened to the episode with me and Emil, but I put Pavelski on to make Team USA at the Olympics this year. Oh, there you go. Yeah, he's he is having a uh, decent resurgence. Um, yeah. For the All-Star game, I will say uh, Jason Robertson, he's actually, like, since he came back from injury, he's been playing really well. Yeah, he has. Um, so, like, I would I would definitely take keep a lookout for him, uh, maybe even over Pavelski for the uh, All-Star. But, yeah, no, that's definitely a hot take, too. With uh, That's a good take, though, with uh, Pavelski on Team USA. He, he'll be a, he would be a really good veteran presence, for that, sure. That's why I picked him. And if you just throw him on the power play, he can... Yeah, just playing that front. He's, yeah. like, the best, one of the best up front players, like, ever, yeah. pretty much. Yeah, I have him as, like, a 13th forward, so I have him, like, mm-hmm. on the cusp, but... Yeah, even like Rupe Hints, you can throw in there. He's just had kind of health problems, like being in and out of the lineup. But yeah, yeah. So uh, Shane Gosses has been doing well this year too, on like one of the worst teams in the league. So yeah, he's had a bit there. of a yeah, he's had a bit of a resurgence on uh, Arizona, which is good to see because I, yeah. I I always like Shane Gossesper, honestly. Yeah. Uh, especially when he had a good couple of years on Philly, like he got linked to Vancouver, like. Uh, I think like the year after when he was kind of having a down year, and I, I always liked him. So yeah. yeah, no, it's it's good to see him, especially on a uh, underperforming team. Um, Atlantic, you got Stamkos, Huberto, Matthews, Raymond, Marshawn, and Toffoli with Ekblad, Dulling, and Thomas Shabbat with Jack Campbell and Vasilevsky. They got Tage Thompson, Batherson, Brady Kachuk, Nick Suzuki, Victor Hedman, and Charlie McAvoy also receiving votes. I will say Toffoli out for two months, so he's going to be uh, – he won't be in the all-star game, sadly. Yeah. Um, otherwise, yeah, th- that's a good – that's <laughs> that's a really good division. Like, it's crazy. One thing I would say is I don't disagree with Matthews, but I think – like Willie Nylander has played very good this year. Yeah. And yeah. when Matthews wasn't playing well, William Nylander was carrying the team. Up. Yeah. He stepped up. And I just want him to get a little bit more recognition than I feel like he's getting. And also these aren't the official ones. So these are just predictions, early predictions. Like you can vote for like all-star captains right now. Yeah, you can do that. Yeah. Like these aren't official, but we're just giving our input on the early release. But man, Willie Nylander, again with the one player has to make it from every team kind of thing. So there's not you can't really replace anyone except Matthews with Nylander. So it's just like you can't I understand it, but I mean Willie Nylander's been having a really good year, so yeah, yeah he's, he's, he's stepped his game up. That's for sure. Like when yeah. when Matthews and Marner were uh, on that really low shooting percentage streak for a while. Uh, yeah, Nylander, he stepped his game up. I like Nylander a lot. Yeah. It, like, remember all the talk when Nylander signed? Everyone was like, trade Nylander. He's not worth it. Now he's yeah, like the best. Overpaid. <laughs> yeah, now he's one of the best contracts on the team because he's only making like $7 million. Uh, the best in the league, honestly. Yeah. He's only making like $7 million and he's like a 30 goal scorer. Yeah, that's so, crazy. Yeah. 
how it's amazing how quick the uh, tables can turn. Yeah, the narrative changes. Yeah, exactly. Sure. Uh, the Metro Division. We got Ovechkin, Panarin, Gensel, Aho, Kreider, Giroux, Adam Fox, Dougie Hamilton, um, Warinsky, and then Shesterkin, Sorokin. And then other players receiving votes are Kuznetsov, Crosby, Barzell, Jesper Bratt, John Carlson, Jari, and Varlamov. Yeah. Wow. The first one that came to mind was Ovi. That guy is just crazy. Yeah. <laughs> like 36, 37, just like absolutely ripping it up. And like in, on some people's ballots, he's front runner for the heart. And in my yeah. opinion, I think he's front runner for the heart. You see, like he's carrying the low for Washington. A lot of people like had them just barely making the playoffs and now gotten leading the division. So, yeah. so what are your, what are your thoughts on this uh, lineup for the Metro? Is there any players you take out and replace? Yeah. Um, trying to think, uh, I mean, one thing's for sure. Another person that stands out is Shesterk and that guy is, uh, he's crazy. He's like an unbelievable goalie. One of the best in the NHL. Like, yeah, he's, he's really good. Honestly though, there's not really too much that I would replace. I'd say it's that one's like a, that's a pretty, it's just such a stacked lineup. Like all yeah. two having such a good year. Gensel, just such a good player. Kreider, New York is just such a surprise. Like I had yeah. no idea they were going to go on. This three kind of players, run. three players making the. They deserve it too. Right? Yeah. Like that's the thing, honestly. Yeah. Cause one player that stands out that didn't make it was a uh, Jari for Pittsburgh. Cause he's been one of the best goalies this year. But the like Sorokin, no one else from the Islanders really deserved to be there. But Shesterkin's been probably one of like a top three goalie this year as well. So you got to give him his flowers as well. So it's like Jari's just having a really good year with in the same division as other goalies who are having a really good year as well. So yeah, yeah, Islanders but, are just you could usually you give it to Barzell or something, but he's just not. He's playing. There's no really player that's having a good year besides Sorokin, so you got to give him it. Yeah, honestly, I agree. And yeah, Rangers four guys—that's crazy. Panarin, Kreider, Fox, Shesterkin. Yeah, it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. Yeah, it's uh, it's crazy to see. But yeah, those are the All Star lineups. Well, um, I think obviously there'll be more official news later, but we'll go to um, other news around the league. Mark Andre Fleury. Hits 500 wins, the third goalie in the NHL to ever do it. And he got it in a shutout in his hometown. Yeah, that was really good to see. Uh, like, they were even chanting his name at the end, too. Yeah. That was crazy, uh, the Bell Center. Because you heard his, like, his press conference after. He was saying, he's like, I haven't had much success in this arena. And for his 500th win to come in Montreal in a shutout, too, yeah. is just unreal to see. Yeah, so, he grew up like an hour away from there. Yeah. It's uh, pretty crazy. Shout out to Mark andre Flair. Where would you rank him amongst all-time Canadian goalies? Would you put him top five, top ten? Uh, for sure top five, I, I'd say at this point. He's like, yeah, I, I'd put him like behind. I, I still put him behind, uh, obviously, Brodeur, Wah. And I struggle with him and Luongo, but I think like just like he was on better teams. Like you put Luongo on those pen scenes and he's winning those cups too, you know? Yeah. Um, so I do think I'd put Luongo still over him, but yeah, top five. Like he'd probably be my fourth, honestly. Yeah. No, he's 
unreal. Like he lived up to that number one overall pick hype. Like he's Crazy. just yeah. he's, he's done well, and I gotta respect that for sure. The NHL Olympics. It's uh it's in jeopardy right now. You know, crazy with, one. <laughs> uh, a lot of COVID um, games have been postponed. Players have been out with illness, some COVID-related, some not. And the NHL, man, they've basically put it in the decision of the players. Like, do you want to go? Because um, quarantine is basically the entire Olympics if you test positive down there. It's five weeks. And... Like there's no deadline to withdraw, so that basically means they could leave the next, like the next day, and then decide not to go. Which will then be like, hey, then what are we doing for? <laughs> yeah, who's on then? Team Canada? <laughs> yeah. Had to basically construct a team. Um, there are financial costs after the 10th of January, which I don't know what that will include. Maybe the NHL has to give up some money or whatever. Like I have no idea what that means. Yeah. And players have already come out. Robin Leonard decided he's like, I'm declining my invitation to Team Sweden due to, I think it was the strict protocols. He doesn't want to deal with, he already dealt with the bubble and he came out and said that it was huge on his mental health and he doesn't want to do that with the protocols in the Olympics. So, what are your uh, thoughts and like, what are you, what are you thinking with this new uh, Olympics news coming out? Yeah, I mean, honestly, I was like definitely very like I thought they were I was optimistic about it. I thought they were going to go until I saw like the like three to five weeks, I think it was for the testing positive quarantine. It's like, man, like there's like you're missing NHL action at that point. Right. Like there's yeah. no way like and people are going to test positive. Like there's no way that this whole Olympics going by and like nobody's testing positive for COVID. So yeah, I, I just, I don't see it go, happening anymore after that. Honestly, that's just, I, I could kind of see it maybe happening if it was in like a place like America or something. But when you're going to a different country like China across the world, it's like, it's so unpredictable. Like there's no sway, right? Like, you know, they don't care that you're an NHL player at the end of the day. Like it doesn't matter to them. Right. So yeah, it's uh it's pretty crazy. It's yeah. It's really unfortunate. And because as a fan, I selfishly want to say, like, I'll just go because I want to see NHL players play. Because if I go my entire life and I don't see Connor McDavid play in the Olympics, I'm going to be pissed. And I think everyone would be pissed because he's arguably the best player, like, skill-wise, to play hockey. Yeah. You know, like, obviously Gretzky's going to be the greatest of all time. No one's going to top that but like Connor McDavid in terms of skill he's arguably the best player to ever play for sure and if I don't see him in Team Canada's at the Olympics it's going to be like it's going to be annoying yeah right? it sucked and, and I mean even not even just that it's like not being able to see him as many times as possible like yeah. should, you know so it's like selfishly I want to see players play and I think everyone does. But I mean, when it comes down to like five weeks of quarantine, like what? Like if you test positive on the very last day, you have to stay in China for five weeks and you're missing time in the NHL. Like owners aren't going to want that. GMs aren't going to want that. Coaches aren't going to want that. Teammates aren't going to want that. Yeah. 
Like imagine like you're in a race to get to the playoffs or whatever. You're on the you're battling for a wild card spot and your guys. And what if someone gets like a Brandon Sutter? Like a long haul. Yeah. Like a long-term COVID. Yeah. So it's, it's definitely a risk that you're going to have to take. I understand if players don't want to go. So yeah. it's, it's going to be interesting to see what decisions are made closer yeah. to the date. It's pretty crazy, honestly. Like I really, I have no idea what's going to happen, but if I had to guess, yeah, I just would say that they probably aren't going to end up going. Yeah. It's, uh, it'll be, it is tough. And I wish it was just like over here. Like yeah, Canada, the States. Uh, yeah. Cause there's too many variables when you're across the world like that. Right. Like all of how many people like majority of these players have never even been to China. Like it's, yeah. I know. So like, cause I don't think they'll be getting any of like the Olympic village. Um, yeah. Opportunity. And like, I think that's a huge part. Like on your off days, you just have to chill in your hotel room. Like that's, that's tough. What's the point? Yeah. Yeah. It's, like it's, it's not what they imagined. It's bubble hockey all over again. And yeah. I just don't know if they'll enjoy that, which I feel like they'd rather just hang out around uh, in their home cities. Yeah. It's, it's really unfortunate to see because I want to see NHL players back in the Olympics. And I think every, like, I don't want to see Mason Raymond be our first line center. It's like, let's be real here. Yeah. yeah <laughs> really. for sure. But um, in other news, Ben Bishop, uh, has to call it a career. Uh, he last played in 2020. Uh, he got knee surgery and just hasn't been able to rehab it. He got some time in the AHL and he gave up like eight goals on 30 shots. So unfortunately, he uh, calls it a career. But when you think of Ben Bishop, like what do you think of as a goalie? Because he kind of had a high, he peaked. And then kind of declined, but then he like won the Vesna. Yeah, like, he get a really big yeah comeback. Yeah, I mean, he like honestly, I kind of feel like he almost like revolutionized like the big goalie. You know, like yeah. before him, you really didn't see like a six foot seven goalie. Um, and I love Ben Bishop. Honestly, he's like a, such a good guy. Like it's it's terrible that he had to like that he has to retire early. Like you gotta feel so bad for him because yeah, he's just like such a good guy. Um, and, and like the first thing that comes to my mind is just like all the teams he played for, like, you know, like it's, I always forget even like that he was like on like Tampa Bay and everything like that. Like it's, it's crazy. Like he's, yeah. he's, yeah, it, it's sad that he is to retire early though. It's like, you got to really feel for a guy in that position where, you know, that you can have like multiple more good years. Uh, but yeah, he's, uh, he's got put into a, he plays so you got to feel for him especially being that big like you know it's obviously hard on the body when you're playing like at such a high level being like a pro athlete that being a goaltender like your body is like so in tune like every day um yeah so you got to feel for the guy right that's uh that's kind of what comes to mind i'd say yeah i he brought like he was such a solid goalie and Man, to see it, because he was, like, aging, like, fine wine. Like, he was, he had those unfortunate years in Ops. Yeah, it's, like, he was so solid, and he was always amongst the talks of the best goalies in the league. And then it just happened so quick. Like, he just, 
on the knee injuries, like knees are a funny thing, man. Like they players either come back stronger or it lingers. And unfortunately it just like caught up with him. Couldn't rehab it back to its old ways. And you never like to see a guy's career end earlier than it should have. Yeah. I don't know if you saw too, uh, Dallas put Kudobin on waivers uh, yeah. this morning. So big, uh, big goalie changes in Dallas. That's for yeah. sure. I'm just waiting for the chase on on waivers tweet from <laughs> Elliot Friedman. <laughs> yeah, seriously, after that giveaway, and then uh, let's Kyle Connor score. That's, yeah, that was a bad one. I can understand if you're a rookie, but like, man, you've played 600 games in the NHL. You can't be doing that. Yeah, that that made me so upset. Yeah. I was so mad. I was like, why is this guy still in the lineup? Honestly, and then he yeah. finally got scratch again that's like a thing about brujo you know green would probably like you maybe would sit him or something but he's still gonna let him play and like brujo is like that's probably it yeah so it's um i'm glad that he was finally given the cut but other than that ben bishop great career yeah uh he's a legend any team's ring of honor or do you think he didn't really make a difference in one franchise? That's the thing. I feel like he like bounced around. He's in Ottawa too. Like it's, he just wasn't at a place for long enough, you know, like that's the only thing I'd say. Yeah. I just, he was, was he still, he was on the team in Dallas when they went to the finals. Right. Or was he yep. hurt? Yeah, he was. No, yeah. I, I believe he was. Uh, oh I knew no, no, no! It was Kudobin playing. Yeah, was, he was. Yeah, Bishop was hurt, right? Yeah, yeah. No, it was Antoine or yeah, Anton Kudobin playing. Yeah, yeah, because he was Vesna caliber for a few years, and then just yeah. man, injuries so suck. Off. Injuries yeah. suck. Uh, moving on, uh, the cap is expected to raise million dollars next year, which is good to see. Uh, NHL's finally getting some revenue in. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, kind of something that you were saying before, too, with the Canucks, like, it's the new way is, like, you got to find cheap forward depth, right? Like, look at Toronto, what they did with, like, Andre Kasha and uh, Bunting. Like, man, they have, like, 20 points each, and it's, like, maybe Kasha doesn't have that as many because he was injured, but I know Bunting has, like, almost 20 points, and, like, how much are they getting paid, right? Yeah, like that's like the middle middle of the road wingers like a Tanner Pearson making like three million dollars, but like, what is he? He's a bottom six winger on a contending team. Like that doesn't exist. That's not going to exist anymore. So Canucks need to find a way to get out of those kind of contracts. Like same with like Tucker Pullman, two point five million dollars for a bottom pair D. It's like, yeah, he'll have the odd game where he can step into the top four, but like, you don't need to be paying that much for someone who plays that kind of minutes when you can pick like you already have that in Luke Shen for 850 K for two years. Right. So they just, Jim Rutherford has his work cut out for him. He needs to just definitely to bring it full circle. He needs to do that and like get rid of those players. Cause that's kind of like that way of the NHL is over. I feel like the middle, middle men, those middle of the pack players are just, they're going to get squeezed out and they're going to have to just take what they can get, you know? league minimum contracts a little over league minimum because teams want to pay their stars and that's all they can afford to pay when they're paying four players, $40 million. Yeah. So I, uh, it's, it's good to see like every team get some relief, especially us because we need it so badly. Yeah, but, seriously. Um, the NHL 
admits a mistake on Sabres goal versus the Rangers. So the Rangers tied it up late or went ahead late. It was one of the two, but then it was disallowed. I had intentions of looking up the goal, but did you see it? I did. So it was actually the Sabres scored late to tie it up, but it got disallowed. Essentially what happened, um, sorry, uh, Olofsson brought, he was bringing the puck in, but he didn't have the puck on his stick. And as Dolan was tagging up, the puck came into the zone, but Olofsson hadn't touched it yet. On the play, they let the goal, like they didn't catch it. It was a good goal. And then they end up challenging the goal or something. I forget if it, they, cha- I think they challenged it. And then in the war room in like Toronto or whatever, they said, yeah, no, that's offside. Even though it's technically the, the rule, the rule book is if the player doesn't touch the puck and the pucks in the zone, it doesn't matter until he puck touches it, then it's offside. Yeah. So that was kind of it. So they called it wrong on, in that case, it should have been a good goal. It ended up being disallowed on that. And because of that. Because that happened last year, really? Boston versus Vancouver. But they allowed it because yeah. McAvoy hadn't touched it. So to see that be disallowed, there's like an inconsistency there because the Canucks um, or like Boston scored, they allowed it. Canucks challenged it. It was disallowed. But then Boston challenged the challenge and then they allowed the goal because <laughs> McAvoy entered when someone was hadn't tagged up yet, but he hadn't touched it yet. So technically you can't blow the whistle and he, McAvoy hadn't entered the zone. So he touched it when there was no player in the zone. Yeah, I, I feel like I've seen that rule before. Like I feel like I've seen it yeah. happen where they call it that way. And cause like, I've been like, Oh, that's like ridiculous. Like it was offside, but he just left it. And then they called it the other way. So I don't, yeah, that's just a big miscommunication. I don't understand how they just like. I I agree with the goal being allowed. Like, I don't think that's offside. Like it's, should be a goal. Still play to do that. If you can have the hand-eye coordination to like, just let go of the puck right before the blue line. And then the awareness. Yeah. Like you deserve to score, right? Yeah. hundred percent. I, uh, I 100% agree. So uh, we're going to be wrapping up soon. I have a couple um, would-you-rathers here. Some fun yeah, would-you-rathers. For that, sure. Uh, I, do. I just searched them up now, so some of them are kind of weird. but It's all good. They're, they're just hockey editions. But uh, would you rather see your favorite goalie score a goal or see them win a goalie fight? I feel like score a goal for uh for Demko. Like Demko's probably my uh, he is my favorite goalie right now for sure. Uh definitely score a goal because I feel like the boys would just like celebrate so hard, you know. Cause I mean like a hockey goalie fight would be kind of funny. Like we saw it with Ryan Miller kind of with uh, on Matt yeah. Martin. Um that was always like, you know, gets the boys fired up and everything. But yeah, I feel like definitely a goal, like seeing Demko score a goal would be it would be legendary. Yeah, I both would be so amazing. Like seeing Demko win a goalie fight would be unbelievable. He's so nice though. I feel yeah, like I know. Which which is why it would be crazy because I wouldn't expect it. No? Yeah, that is true. That is true for sure. <laughs> but also seeing him score on like score a goal would be amazing as well. Yeah, yeah. I feel like the reaction from the whole team would just be like legendary. 
Yeah, one, one hundred percent. There's another one that's kind of funny. Would you rather yeah. see uh, Johnny Goudreau play with Chara stick or Chara play with Goudreau stick? <laughs> Jeez, that's <laughs> oh man. I'm gonna say Goudreau with Chara's. I feel like that yeah, would be just, just like, like you know, yeah, literally Chara would be like funny because he'd be like so low, but like Goudreau would just be ridiculous, like. It's like a foot taller than him. Like literally you have one foot taller than him. Um, so yeah, that would be uh that would be my pick would be Kudrow with a Chara stick. Yeah, same here. Uh that would be so that would be so funny. He couldn't get a puck with like four feet of his like feet. I know. Like <laughs> I know, just like kicking it. Yeah, and nothing close to his feet, no stick handling. Yeah. <laughs> I uh I asked this next question on a previous episode. Yeah. But I uh, I think it was I think it's a pretty good one. Mm. Would you rather go to Game Seven in Vegas or Game Seven in Montreal? I mean, uh, that's a tough one. Like I feel like Vegas would just like I would almost want to do that because like they just top everything right like they top themselves every time like somehow with like their cgi and like everything in their pregame shows like it's unrivaled in like any sport it's literally like you know like yeah. i think i would just i i would want to experience a game seven in vegas that would be like yeah bell center would be crazy like you know it'd be so loud and everything like that but like I feel like the Vegas experience would just be like, I'm not even a Vegas guy. And I feel like it would be none other, you know, like I just feel like it would be insanity. Like, I don't even, I don't even have the, like, you know, I've gotten questions recently. Like people are like, Oh, like, you know, have you gone to Vegas? Do you want to go? And I'm like, not really. Like, I don't know. I'm not really into that. It's not kind of this podcast, obviously, but like the, that experience of like being in that atmosphere of like everyone, like, and it's not even necessarily people that are, from there you know lots of tours and everything i feel like it would just be such a good experience yeah i uh yeah i'm i'm different i'm indifferent with it it's a tough one like those when montreal was like near contending for a cup like 2014 i think they 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 should have won the cup that year in 2014 (laughs) but like like when price got hurt against the rangers in the semifinals like that was just that was game changing. He had, that was his one of the best years of a goalie. Hart, Vesna, Jennings, yeah. Ted Lindsay. Like he won every award he possibly could have that year. Yeah, sad and, to see him go down. And Montreal was like rolling that year in the playoffs. And he unfortunately gets hurt. And the Mo- Montreal still took the Rangers to game six yeah. with Tokarski Tuk- in that. I so, think Montreal beats LA too. They're yeah. definitely a way like that's like a very different matchup than yeah. Rangers were. So I think, man, now probably Vegas. Yeah. But I mean, back then, yeah, that would be like the Bell, the Bell Center was like, I'm at com- the peak. <laughs> I'm trying to compare like the best the Bell Center's been and the best that Vegas could be. And I'm thinking Bell Center. Yeah, because the history in that in the Bell Center, the history that team carries, how much passions in Montreal, man, I think it'd be electric to go to a game seven in Montreal. Yeah, the atmosphere in like Montreal would be just like next level. Like that's the thing you're going to get, like the vibe will be so much different there. Whereas like in Vegas, you're just like immersed, you know? 
that's like what I feel like the key difference is, is like, are you wanting to be like loud with like visuals and everything like that? Or do you want to like be into it? And like, that kind of changes my opinion. Like almost, I almost want to say like, I would rather do like Montreal, you know, cause like just thinking about like feeling that and hearing that environment would be crazy. Yeah. It's, it's a lot like Montreal was such a fun team to watch in the playoffs that year because of how, like how much energy the bell center brought. It was crazy. Yeah. yeah they would go wild. I like, when, like Max Pacioretty, Subban, <laughs> Carey Price. Like that team had a lot, like they were playing really well that year. And to see like them not advance. Yeah. To see him not advance was, it, it was, was crushing. I feel bad for uh Carey. He definitely has, he deserves a <clears> cup. He's a very good goalie. Yeah, it was uh yeah, he's he's unreal. And it's unfortunate that he's like nearing the end of his career. But one last yeah. <clears throat> would you rather yeah. would you rather be the best player on a team where you're on the brink of making the playoffs, but you're like always in and out of the playoffs kind of thing, like you're not really a contending team. Yeah. Or would you rather be a fourth liner on the best team? fourth line on the best team i feel like when you're on a, like a team like that like the fourth line and third line gets recognition because it's like such a like well-oiled machine that like whereas like other third and fourth lines like you know you remember what like barkley goudreau and uh who's the other one on tampa last year uh patrick maroon maroon but there's not goudreau uh, he signed with a uh, coleman like, remember how much, like, publicity those guys got? Because they were, yeah. like, good foundational bottom six players for them, like, fourth liners. And, yeah, I just feel like, you know, you have a role like that. I feel like it would just be, like, such a good time to be, like, winning. The, yeah, like, part of that team. Like, you know, you even though you're a fourth liner, you know you're, like, pretty well as integral as, like, the first liners are on a team like that. Because they have all their guys going, and they're all they're all bought into the system. There's no people above. Like, yeah, some guys are going to score more, but like, some guys are better at defending, right? Yeah. So that's yeah, I would say that personally. Uh, I agree with you. Winning's a lot more fun than like trying like time. Yeah, inconsistency. It's tough. Yeah. But I agree with you there. All right, uh, Tim, on this. So we've started a new weekly segment called On This Day in Sports History. And on the day we were are recording, December 13th, there are some things that happened. And time to educate the people, you know what I'm saying? Educate yeah. you. So I'm going to name uh, three things, all ranging from different sports. But uh, on December 13th in 1901 was the first table tennis tournament held in uh, the London Royal Aquarium. That is a while ago. That is, uh, are you a table tennis guy? You like table I, tennis? I used to actually be into it. I used to play it with my uh, my friends. <laughs> table tennis is one of those sports where like everyone thinks they're good at it. Everyone thinks they're good at table tennis, and then you see like the guys who are like not holding their the paddles by the handle, <laughs> but like upside down. When you see yeah. when you see a player break that out, it's like okay. Yeah, I'm not uh, good. Yeah, I'm not good. <laughs> I thought I was good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And like they're putting in spin on it that you can't even like. Oh, yeah. It's, yeah, it's unbelievable. But I wonder what 1901 table tennis was like. That's oh, it was, for sure. it was probably like a match versus me and you. 
Whereas like <laughs> nowadays they're standing like 30 feet away from yeah, the ends of the table. Like, like curving it every yeah, time. It's, uh, it's unbelievable. Like watching a table tennis match is, it's like, it's so much more intense than you would think. You know, no one really like thinks about table tennis to be like a fun sport to watch, but man, it's it can, intense. It can get uh, crazy. If you have, yeah. if you have like money riding on it. Oh my God. Watch out. Yeah, for sure. Uh, 1968, Bobby Orr scores his first career hat trick against his soon to be team, Chicago Blackhawks. Wow. Bobby yeah. Orr. That's a pretty big feat for a D man. That's for sure. Yeah. But that's uh, probably nothing for Bobby Orr back in that day. Yeah. Would you put him as best defenseman of all time? Yeah. Yeah, I'd say so. I mean, I don't know. I kind of, I'm someone who respects the defensive side of the game more than others, I find. So, like, I almost, like, I don't know. I, I kind of have him in the top three with, like, Niedermeyer, him, and uh, Lindstrom, personally. Yeah, Lindstrom is, I feel like yeah. Lindstrom is, like, slept on for some reason. Like, I feel like yeah. a lot of people kind of hold him out of that conversation. Well, he was kind of in a weird era. Like, I feel like the 80s and 90s and or even like 60s, 70s, 80s and 90s were so, like, glorified, whereas, like, kind of the 2000s was, like, the dead puck era when it was, like, pretty slow, and that's kind of when, like, Lindstrom was, like, really dominating, right? Yeah. Um, so I feel like he definitely, I, I agree, though, definitely does not get the credit he deserves, but him and, like, Gascott Niedermeyer, too, that guy is just, like, could skate for days like he was crazy yeah it's yeah he's unbelievable but bobby i actually have a picture that i won at a pub night the one just behind I there i can't see it too well but is it the yeah. uh, classic bobby or yeah it's let me get it for a sec okay yeah for sure I put these on here. It's like a oh oh there you go. I haven't seen that one. That's really cool color too. Yeah, I uh and you had a couple cards as well. Yeah, I won it on a pub night really? at, a, at a hockey fundraiser. But in the one of the corners here, it has his um accolades. Mm. And boy, is it ever it's crazy. He he ran that decade, like he ran yeah. his he has yeah. nine-time league all-star. Eight-time Norris Trophy winner, six times, six times a hundred plus point seasons, uh, three-time Hart Trophy, three time, three Stanley Cup appearances, two Stanley Cups, two Conn Smythes, two-time Art Ross trophies, and sixty-seven Calder Trophy winner, best plus-minus for a season in league history with an amazing plus hundred and twenty-four. Jeez, and, plus twenty-one twenty-four. Yeah. So he played twelve years. Um, 652 games played, 270 goals, 645 assists for 915 points. And in 74 playoff games, he has 92 points. Jeez, I forgot he played so little, too. I know. Injuries, man. Yeah, his knees were bad, weren't they? Yeah. It, they, yeah. Yeah, they weren't what They weren't good. Yeah. And he's a Hall of Fame. He got inducted into the Hall of Fame in basically the year he retired. Yeah, in seventy-nine. Yeah, no, that's uh, that's crazy. I yeah, well, nine hundred points, six hundred games for a demon. That's like unheard of. Yeah, he's on three, what, six times over hundred points. Wow. Yeah, eight Norris trophies too. Like yeah, 
<laughs> You're lucky to get one these days. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> eight. <laughs> exactly. Uh, last one here. 1982, Marcel Dion becomes the ninth NHLer to score 500 goals. Yeah, he's a he's a good player. That's for sure. Yeah, it's uh, another player who kind of I don't know if he has career cut short. Maybe I'm thinking of someone else, but. No, maybe it was Mike Bossy. I'm thinking of yeah, Mike Bossy. No, I was going to say 500 goals. That guy, he he played a lot. Yeah. <laughs> he must have played at least yeah. good, like 10, 15 seasons at that point. Yeah, Mike Bossy's career is one that got uh, yeah. cut short a bit. But uh, usually we do a time for the press where we answer questions. But I uh, don't have any for today. But Tim, this was a this was a hell of a time, brother. I appreciate you coming on. This is super fun to talk about the Canucks and uh, other NHL news. Let the people know where they can find you. Twitter, anything you're working on. Uh, this is your time to shine. For sure. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate you for uh, having me on. I had a really good time. Like I said, first podcast. So, uh, hey, <laughs> you, you did well, man. You, you deserve you. to be on some more. You're a great guest. <laughs> thank you. Yeah, uh, hopefully I can come on sometime soon. I'm definitely uh, definitely down to make a couple appearances. So that'll that'll be good. Um, yeah, I mean, just, um, <clears throat> sorry, Tim Asfar 96 on Twitter. Tim Asfar at for Instagram. Not really working on too many projects right now. Kind of going to be doing that. I feel like in the next semester, I do as well have a website, timasfar.com, T-I-M-A-S-F-A-R.com. And yeah, you can check out a couple of my projects on there, but yeah, otherwise definitely a really good time. Hopefully I can come on again soon. We'll definitely make it work. Maybe we can run a trio podcast. Maybe we can get a meal back on here and, yeah. Really talk uh maybe when the playoffs come around, we'll do a we'll do a playoff pod. For sure. That'd be a honestly great time. That's a good idea. Or even we can do a little uh right before the playoffs start, we can do a little preview bra- bracket, kind of see how it'll work out. Yeah, yeah. See how badly we can uh, predict everything. Exactly. <laughs> see how bad the percentage is. Yeah, you always pick like your Stanley Cup winner always gets knocked on the first round. It's like, well, that oh, entire side of my bracket's gone. Be, be honest here. Be honest here. That historic year by Tampa, did you have them winning the Cup? Yep. <laughs> and they got swept in the first, first round. round. And then I literally was like, well, that my entire Eastern Conference bracket is done. So. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And it happens to everyone. Like yeah. as soon as you, you think about it, it's like no one seven game series, no one's gonna beat the best team to ever be yeah. constructed, and then four games in a row they get swept. Yeah, literally but, not even a, just a regular like seven game nail biter yeah. loss, but just a straight sweep. But honestly, like there's a theory there, like they weren't playing playoff hockey from like Christmas on because they were so dominant. And then you have Columbus who like were playing playoff hockey from Christmas on because they had to play for a spot. So they were riding with momentum, but yeah, they just like punched them the teeth. Exactly. But you guys can follow me on Instagram at Jevin.Lafave on Twitter at Jevin Lafave. Find everything for the show, Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, uh, at left side, heavy underscore. You can also go catch my website. Um, JevonLefebvre.com, J-E-V-O-N-L-E-F-E-B-V-R-E. And subscribe to the YouTube channel, Left Side Heavy. You can catch clips, uh, full episode podcast there. Right now, I'm in the works of editing some of the videos that are already uploaded. So right now, they're temporarily not up there, but I'm soon to get those um, finished soon. Uh, No intro, outro music. I'm in the works of getting a new one. And yeah, that's everything for this episode. I appreciate you guys listening. 
There is a kickback and relax episode coming, not this Friday, but next Friday, uploading on Christmas Day, which is pretty uh, funny how that worked out. But we're doing a full Christmas episode, Christmas memories with uh, me and my sisters. So that's going to be a fun one. Be sure to tune into that. But Tim, once again, thank you for coming on. This is a hell of an episode. And listeners, appreciate you for listening. We'll see you guys next week. Peace.